at that point, I, uh, man, I was in the locker room bawling my, bawling my eyes out because I knew it was my last game in, in purple and white. And I knew it was my last game with my teammates who I'd put so much time and effort with. And I knew how much was at stake. So, again, that was the, probably one of the hardest moments of my life, the single singular moments. Uh, unfortunately, we, we lost that game. And all the credits to McMaster, they, they played a great game. And Coach Potasic's a great coach. I think if I was playing that we would have won that game. But I can't. I can't. <laughs> we can't go back and replay it. So, again, it sucked. But that's the way football goes sometimes. What's up, guys? It's Chris Merchant, number 12. I play for the Las Rothas Black Demons, formerly the Western Mustangs. I'm a quarterback, and you're listening to At The 55. Hello, and welcome to At The 55. I'm your host, Dakota Vine, alongside me, Zach, the big cat. Our guest today, you may know him. I think he has a Heck Crichton. I think he's got a Vanya MVP, maybe a couple of Gates MVPs in there, along with some Gates. Chris Merchant, how's it going, Chris? I'm fantastic. How are you guys today? Oh, we're doing well, doing well. I got to get, I got to rip the bandaid off on this one first. I got to ask you a pretty tough question. Um, which, which event stung the most? We'll get into, we'll get into the Easter <laughs> stuff later. Which event stung the most? Was it, was it the Laurier Yates Cup comeback or was it being ranked second on our top 100 list? Ah. <laughs> uh. That's a good one. That's a good one. No, it's definitely, uh, man, I'm a, I'm a team guy. So it's definitely the, the Laurier comeback or the Vanya that we lost against Laval. Uh, both stung, stung a lot. I mean, j- to be ranked within the top five uh, with you guys just among my peers is, again, uh, I remember sending you a message after I was ranked number two and you guys like, no offense. And I was like, dude, none taken. <laughs> Again, Trey, Trey Ford is a baller, bro. I, I Trust me, I know I've seen him play. I've gone against him for years. The dude is legit. So uh, there was no, no no hard feelings there. Uh, again, to be ranked even top five, I was I was super honored. So, uh, But losing that Yates Cup hurt a lot. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured that'd probably be the answer. Um, and a, a lot of our fans, obviously, I mean, I think 100% of our fans would just know you from, you know, youth sports in general. But tell us a little bit about the sports you're playing right now. You've got two games under your belt now, right? Yeah, I'm over here in uh, Madrid, Spain, uh, playing for the Las Rotas Black Demons. And uh, it's we're 2-0 and right now. We've played our two toughest opponents, actually. Uh, our first game, we beat a team that had gone 44 games straight in Spain. They hadn't lost, so... Uh, that was pretty cool to get that win under our belt and, and to, to end that winning streak for them. So, uh, and then our second game, we beat our uh, Madrid Crosstown rivals. Uh, and they were, that was actually a great game. They were a great opponent. They even played us closer than the other game and uh, made it close. And our defense came through for us. And uh, so far, it's been great. It's, it's been a learning experience for me. And it's definitely a little bit more of a – I wouldn't say an offensive coordinator job, but I have more control over the offense and what we're doing. So that's been really interesting. And I, I can't wait to see how the rest of the season goes. Uh, well, that's great. Congrats on being, uh, you know, two and oh, uh, the first game, I think you had two rushing touchdowns, right? Sticking to you're still, still a ground man every once yeah. in a while. Yeah. Two rushing touchdowns in the first one. I went back to the passing game, had three and three passing touchdowns in the second, but, uh, you know, I, when, when we need to, I put my body on the line and, and, 
maybe maybe run a little bit but hopefully going forward i don't have to do that as much so. yeah keep keep yourself keep yourself safe um for, i mean a lot of people don't even know about the leagues that happen in europe i mean there's there's ones that are you know not low but pretty low and ones are pretty competitive i mean it's a great opportunity no matter where it goes i had a friend uh i mean blake huggins i'm sure you know blake who mm-hmm. went and played out in germany yep. it's a great opportunity to just you know see the continent and and you know play for ball sure. what's the competition level like for you compared to maybe you sports um, I would say it's very similar to U sports. I, will, I mean, you, you get players that are studs here for sure. Uh, the imports improve the player, uh, the level of play, definitely. Um, I mean, I've got three other Division One players on my team, one from Clemson, one from Florida State, and one from Troy. Like, we have a stud um, lineup of import players. I would say we have the best import players in the league, but they're still very good players. Um, and there are a lot of – good national players as well um players that grew up in spain and maybe just didn't have the coaching that they needed but great athletes and they learned the game themselves and uh so in my first game against the drags i got into it with one of their linebackers and um just back and forth a little bit but great player uh he's fast he's athletic he, he tackles well so again it it's i would say it's more like you sports um but you, you get those few players that really bring up the level. And, and if you go head to head, then it can make the game very exciting. So, Well, you, you're saying you're getting into one of the players. How's your Spanish? Are they talking smack in, in Spanish <laughs> to you? Or? He, he knew English. So obviously he's gone head to head with a few of us guys before. Uh, but he definitely knew his English. And, and him and I were, were going back and forth the whole game. So it was interesting. But maybe in a few weeks, now that I've had a little bit of Spanish under my belt, I could uh, – come back at him a little bit with uh with his own language yeah we'll get we'll get you a subscription to duolingo and see how it goes <laughs> yeah. for the end of the season <laughs> exactly yeah. hey so chris so you initially when you went overseas you you were in finland for a bit and COVID obviously threw that uh you know under the bus a little bit and and now you're in spain rocking out for the black demons and i i i can't wait to find the link to get as much black demon swag as i can now hats shirts whatever i'll take <laughs> it all but obviously with this being in the midst of covid it, it might be a bit harder or maybe in comparison with other years it may have been harder to get a feel for the culture of the game locally mm-hmm. but from what you've experienced so far how do you sort of what would you say about the culture of football in, in these places, especially compared to, you know, you got to spend some time at University of Buffalo, so you've seen it stateside a little bit mm-hmm. too. Obviously, the time you spent at Canada and, you know, the number of games you got to play in uh, not just national championships, but semi cha- uh, semifinal games, so you're going all across Canada to play this game. How do you compare the culture of football from what you've seen in uh, North America to what you're currently seeing and what you've seen in Europe? Yeah, so the first thing I'll address is um, I didn't actually get to come over to Finland. Uh, COVID, uh, unfortunately, um, canceled that uh, import opportunity for me, which, again, unfortunately, but um, I ended up getting that opportunity with Spain. So uh, hopefully, maybe in the future, I'll get to go over to Finland and play with them too and and see what that level is like. In terms of Spain, uh, this is my first season overseas. it has definitely been eye-opening and interesting. There's new challenges every day. Um, I would say the biggest um, challenge has been the level of football knowledge and just in terms of how um, 
committed people are to their craft. Um, people pay to play here. It's kind of like like when you're growing up and you play for a club team. Um, for the most part, people play uh, or pay to play. So w- when they have imports come in, our, our job is to develop those players and do whatever we can to increase the level of play and, again, bring a competitive edge. Um, so it's been very interesting and a different dynamic than I've been used to, especially coming from a Division One program where, again, every day is a competition and every day you're fighting for your spot. So uh, whereas then you go to Canada and it's it's you're still fighting for your spot, but maybe it's a little more a little more mellow than Division One. It's you're still fighting, but you don't have a scholarship on the line that's worth fifty thousand dollars every year. Uh, and then you come over to Europe and it's like, okay, well we've got an easier game, so let's let's get some of the players that maybe haven't played in yet and the put it into the team and maybe put up 50 points isn't a, isn't as important as the development of the the spanish players so i think that's been the biggest adjustment for me there's nothing wrong with that it's just something different and i've had to take my competitiveness and maybe tone it down a little bit but uh again it's been amazing and and every day is a new challenge i love it and it's just a matter of adjusting to it. And and you mentioned a, a little bit about development. Um, and for people that don't know, our paths actually crossed without us knowing back in, I think it was 2016 in Calgary, um, where you were part of the program bringing Canadian university quarterbacks onto a CFL roster for the mini camp. Um, can you just speak about the importance of you as a Canadian quarterback, not just you, but Canadian quarterbacks in general, still getting a chance to play after university and, developing as an athlete, but also kind of breaking that stigma of Canadian quarterbacks can't play for some reason. I don't know why that's a thing, but you totally. know, the CFL never really giving them the chance that they deserve. Yeah. Um, I'll be careful with what I say here. Cause I'm very passionate <laughs> about this subject. Um, I obviously I think the just develop- us three. Yeah, exactly. I think the development program is amazing. I think uh, being able to go to camps and, and learn and, uh, and see what professional quarterbacks, how they go about their daily lives and learning from guys like Bo Levi Mitchell and, and Masoli and, um, and then actually getting to go to a camp and learning from guys like uh, Pipkin and, and Vernon Adams and stuff like that is, is something that definitely shaped me who I am and as a quarterback who I am today. So I'm super grateful for, for those experiences. In terms of actually getting an opportunity to go to a training camp, I hope in the future that we get to see a, a time where it's not just about PR. It's not just about bringing a Canadian for the media and, and saying, Oh, we signed a Canadian. This looks great for the newspapers. And, and he's at camp, but then you go to camp and you see, and for me in Montreal, I just stood there and watched basically the whole time. And um, in terms of Skelly, in terms of team, I barely got any reps. They threw me in during a scrimmage. I ended up doing very well because, again, I'm a student of the game and I took it very seriously. I, I prepared every day like I was going to be the starter. Um, through a touchdown, through a two-point conversion, and then, again, I didn't think I was going to play going into the preseason game, had no practice reps, and then they threw me in during the preseason game against, uh, uh, against the Argonauts. Um, I, I wouldn't say I played my best, but I, I didn't play poorly, in my opinion. And, uh, again, the preparation wasn't there, but – in my opinion, again, maybe I'm biased, but they didn't really give a Canadian the same opportunity as the American quarterbacks. Maybe they didn't feel like I was at the same level. Um, but again, same with Hugo Richard. I was there with him. 
both of us didn't get the same opportunity those guys got got he he got the opportunity on special teams and i was so glad to see that he made the alouettes as a special teams guy and was able to continue his career there but in terms of being a quarterback in the cfl there's so much room to grow and develop canadian quarterbacks because i really do think that there are multiple guys that have the talent and and the opportunity to do so it's just a matter of giving them the same opportunity that they give those American legit players that they're thinking about signing and, and bringing on to the team. So that's just my personal opinion. Again, everybody's going to have a different view of it, but there's my say. Well, Chris, on it. You, <laughs> you mentioned your time with Montreal there. And uh, of course you mentioned that you and Hugo were both there, which when we talk about the idea of, maybe posturing or the imagery of it all like that mm-hmm. was too perfect like oh we're bringing in these two quarterbacks that have been battling in the van you couldn't um sure. but you know I'm, I'm i'm curious when the idea of playing ball in europe kind of came on your radar because for myself I, you know i played at guelph graduated after 2015 and i remember like four or five months after i finished i ran to former uft quarterback simon nasser just like in toronto just ran to him he's like yo i'm I'm actually going to Germany. Like, yeah. yo, we kind of need offensive line. You, you, I'm like, dude, if I knew about this like months ago, like I didn't know this was a thing. It seems like perhaps more recently than perhaps when me and Dakota were playing or, or in, in the last decade, the idea of Canadians going to Europe or, or to, you know, South America, just other places where you could play football has really gone on the rise. When did that kind of go on your radar and what was sort of the process for you in uh, in getting there? Yeah, so luckily um, I had multiple coaches and players and former um, former players who kind of introduced me to the idea. Um, Coach Marshall's uh, son, Donnie, had played in Germany um, way back when. Um, and then I had my coach, uh, Coach Snyder, uh, who's now the head coach at Queens. He played in Germany as well. So I had been introduced to the idea kind of years before and my mind was always set on playing the CFL. That was always my goal as a Canadian quarterback growing up. That was my dream. But I always knew that that was as a backup plan. I had never gotten to travel Europe. I'd never got to see in different cultures uh, and, and got to really experience a different part of the world. And I said, you know what? If I get that opportunity and maybe I, I, I don't get the chance in the CFL and something happens, and unfortunately for me it was foot surgery that maybe kind of squandered my chances at maybe getting another shot at the CFL, I said, this is a perfect opportunity to go and, uh, and look at uh, different chances in, in a different part of the world. So I put my name out on europlayers.com, and, and luckily enough, I was, I was reached out to by uh, the Las Rothas Black Demons and, and a few other teams. But um, in, And my agent had reached out to, to Vasa before, I had, uh, before COVID. Uh, so the opportunities were there for me. It was just a matter of where I wanted to sign and what I wanted to do. So again, the, the opportunities are there. It's just a matter of hearing them and really taking the leap of faith to, to move across the, to a different part of the world and, and do something different. I know that scares a lot of people, but for me, it's the best thing in the world. I get to, to develop as both a, a football player and a human being. So I think that's great. Oh, that's perfect. And I actually just got a, it's our first one in like a year, a fan mail, uh, question slash statement. Uh, this comes nice. from a, a D Giffen, and he says, "Oh my God, uh, please please don't replace me as your his number one big guy." <laughs> Any comment on that? Never, Dylan. That's that's my guy, uh, my left tackle for the last couple of years. 
Uh, Dylan, he's going to have a great career in Toronto, I think. Um, it's just a matter of he, he's one of the hardest working guys I've ever had to, the pleasure to play with, and he continues to get better every year. So, again, Dylan, all my love to you, brother. Uh, hope you're doing well back in uh, Strath Vegas and, uh, <laughs> and keeping well. <laughs> I, I don't know. Gift's got a bit of an attitude problem on him. Might get himself booted <laughs> off the team. He's got to really, you know, got to really rain it in there. Yeah, no the, kidding. No. Meanest, meanest guy I know, for sure. Meanest <laughs> dude you'll ever meet. I don't know what's up with him. Uh, um, no kidding. Well, yeah. you know, talking about Giff, and let's bring it back to the OUA a little bit. And we talked about him from the jump uh, a, a little bit. Dakota brought his name up. But but Trey Ford, um, I would have to be remiss without sort of mentioning his name with you. You know, in the past couple of years, when it comes end of the year and looking at all the different awards, and you always see like, oh wait, you know, Ford didn't get the, or Merch didn't get, and then you think like, well, these guys are competing with each other. It's one of those things where like second is really just one B to the one A with you guys. For sure. Could you talked about it a little bit, but can you just go into more detail the, the past, I guess, two three years really of of competing with a a guy of that caliber um you know he hasn't had the team success that you had and i know you're a team first guy for sure but i imagine there was part of you maybe that was keeping an eye on me like what did trey do this week or totally what was that like for you having a guy of that caliber and there's a ton of great quarterbacks in the yoe way Mm -hmm. not to take any of them for granted but just we know trey's a special guy you are a very special guy what was that dynamic like for you yeah, Trey is once in a generation, maybe once in a lifetime talent in in the OUA, man. Um, just to see see what he did every week, and uh, not only that, how humble of a uh, humble of a quarterback he is. Um, obviously, he had a very talented team as well. Like you got Ternowski and 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 Lamb and, and guys on the outside that obviously made his job easier, but. To see what he did with his legs as well as his arm, uh, and to see his development over the last few years has been crazy impressive. Um, again, I have all respect in the world for quarterbacks that continue to work on their craft year in and year out. Um, it, it's something that people take for granted, and, and they don't see how much work goes into it—the film study, the on the field, the in the gym, everything that goes into it. So. I know he's one of those guys that puts in all the work because it shows on the field and, and his success is, is not something that just comes from luck. Uh, his preparation is, is everything and um, his athletic ability helps. And I know it, it'll just continue to be a problem for every defense that he plays. Uh, I really hope that he gets a shot to, to play at the next level because he's definitely uh, a good enough quarterback and athlete. Um, so really looking forward to seeing what he does hopefully next season now that we're, we're starting to figure things out. And then, uh, again, it was always fun to go up against him. We had some great games, especially the last season I played. Uh, that that um, Those close games at the end that we, we probably got lucky at. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> we, we definitely got lucky. Uh, but those are the games that you love to play in. So Now, speaking about going against him, what's it like going against his twin? on when you actually have to play him <laughs> yeah we game plan for him for sure uh when you got um tyrell on the on the boundary side you you always make sure and he would always come up to me after the game he's like man you never threw my way uh and he was always pissed and and he'd come out he'd make sure i knew i never threw his way and it just ended up being our game plan and and uh in the in the playoff game that we played against in the last player game i probably didn't play my best game ever but uh again they they ended up playing a great defensive plan they just played cover one against us and 
uh, and kind of brought the house sometimes. So, um, again, they had great, great players. They were well coached. I think uh, Bertoia has done a great job with that that program and continues to get better every year. So uh, I think the OUA is going to be very interesting in the next year because there's a kind of a swing in, swing in power and maybe a little different balance. So uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully Western continues its reign of power, but you, you never know. So, Well, I mean, speaking of Western's reign of power, uh, before you went there, it was kind of up in the air after obviously Finch uh, – called it a career against McMaster and with the unfortunate injury. I mean, they had Stevenson bone there, which you went, I think one or two weeks competitive, but now you're gone. I believe Kevin's gone as well. Cause he was in his last mm-hmm. year. Obviously mm-hmm. they have some names there. What do you think without making you pick somebody? What do you think that competition is going to be like? Obviously G Marsh is going to push them as hard as you can, but what do you think is going to come out of that? Especially with the year off. Yeah, for sure. I think that year off definitely makes it even more interesting than it would have before. Um, but uh, they've got great kids no matter what. They've got uh, Jackson, who was there when I was – he was obviously the transfer from McMaster, and uh, he's a great quarterback. I, I, I even learned some things from him when I was there, and uh, I think he learned some things from me. So uh, he probably has the advantage just because he was able to see the offense at full swing when I was there and, and got to see how it ran. But, um yeah, and then obviously you've got all their recruits and they've had a very, very good recruiting class coming in the last year and two years. So G Marsh will play the best player. That's that's who he is. That's He doesn't care how to get it done as long as it gets done. Uh, he'll play the best player no matter what. So I think that's part of the reason why uh, Western is such a successful program because there's very little politics involved. It's just if you're the best player, you're going to play. Uh, again, that's kind of what happened when I went in. Maybe at first there was a little bit of back and forth and back and forth, but after a while they, they realized that I was the best thing for the program, so they went with me, and the rest is history. So I think they'll do the same thing going forward. Well, speaking of the, the going back and forth for a little bit, um, we had Bone on a, a ways ago, and he talked about there was a game that I think GMARS was just mad at you guys and pulled you every other drive. <laughs> Is that something that you remember? He, he threatened to, for sure. There, there were games where I come off all frustrated. He goes, I'm, Steven, he goes, Stevenson, start warming up. And that was immediately like that flip of the switch where it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Like You got to start playing well now. Uh, so I don't know if he ever pulled trigger on it. There was definitely one in the McMaster game. I played terrible in my Vanier Cup year. Uh, threw two picks and was just playing terrible football. And he threw Stevenson in, rightly so. And it was a wake-up call for me. So uh, he he's not afraid to do it. Uh, and, again, that's what makes a great coach. It doesn't matter who's in there as long as the job's getting done. That's what matters. Yeah, I think he mentioned it was it was one of the first two games when you had first transferred that mm-hmm. he was still – it was still in the undecided period. And Steven said, yeah, I would do a drive, and I thought it was fine. He'd pull me and put Chris in. Chris would go get pulled. <laughs> yeah. and But, I mean, we, we both know that G-Marsh does his best to get the best out of players. Absolutely. He's got his ways, and he's been pretty successful with it. So, I can't argue with, with the success. Chris, you've been a rookie in Buffalo. You've been a rookie when you went to Western. You spent time with the Calgary camp. You spent time in Montreal – spending time in Spain in your first year there. And of course, this year in particular, you know, we're talking about the year of COVID and and all the added things that that brings on. 
you know, looking at this, what this year's been for you, I, I have to imagine living so far away from home and, of course, with the pandemic, everything going on, to say the least, this must have been a, a bit of a stressful year for you, uh, I, I would I would imagine. I know at least if I were uh, where you are right now, it would be a lot of anxiety around it. I'm kind of curious as to what this year's been like from you been like for you just in terms of sort of where you're at mentally dealing with all the changes and the pandemic being so far away from home yeah it's been challenging uh 2021 has been a lot better than 2020 i'll tell you that um 2020 was a tough year uh again coming off foot surgery uh almost thought my career was over i remember walking off western's field uh after losing to mcmaster uh again i played that basically the whole first half on a on a broken foot uh and even worse than that and a lot of people don't know that is is i tried to push through it and it unfortunately doctor told me if i kept playing i'd never be able to run again so uh obviously you have that i had surgery but there's always that back of the the back of the head moment where you're like will i ever get to play the game again or is this it so uh especially when my season in finland got canceled and and covid was really at full swing it was a dark time. It was a kind of loss of identity. I was going through some mental health issues. Um, there were some other things going on in my life. So it was definitely a difficult time. And it was amazing the support I had from ex-teammates and, and other people in my life. So that's really what got me through it. And then when I was able to sign with Las, Las Rotas, uh, it was just kind of that bright light that shone on my life. So uh, really, really opened a new door for me and, and gave new opportunity for me. So as soon as 2021 hit and I was able to get here, it's been an amazing experience uh, so far. Again, I've, I've talked a little bit about it. Um, I, I can't wait to continue uh, the rest of the season and continue to see new parts of Spain and Madrid uh, and just experience a different culture while getting to play the game I love. I mean, that's the best part is I get to play, continue to play football at, at a pretty high level and, and and share my love of the game with other people. So uh, that's really what has been amazing for me. Well, I mean, that's awesome to hear. And I think for a lot of people, 2021 has been better than 2020. You brought up the injury um, going back to 20, ooh, 2019 with the Yates. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm curious if we can just go there again because you know Dakota and I were there watching and I remember we'd see like you on the sideline and you start to move around a bit and it's like oh, oh it's, it's coming like what's going on and as you mentioned you got the word and it's 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 comforting I guess for me hearing that the doctor was that open with you being like hey yep. like you can seriously do damage if you keep going on it because it doesn't take too much imagination to think of a scenario where not necessarily Western per se but football program championship game they're gonna say like oh no you you can go like we don't Mm -hmm. need to like Mm -hmm. you don't need to worry about it It might hurt but you'll be fine can we just like peel back the curtain a bit on that moment because we've been doing these interviews with with a lot of players of of late talking about mental health in relation to sports and you kind of mentioned some of the issues you were dealing with in this past year but in that moment in particular I, I can just imagine I've been there myself in different contexts of that struggle to you know Oh, could I help out if I go in or am I, if, if I'm at, you know, 80%, am I hurting the team? Like what were the conversations you were having with yourself in those, you know, moment by moment, you know, what was going on in your head then? A million different thoughts. Uh, like you said, there was a, so many different conversations going on in my head and, and anyone who knows me, um, 
or played against me or played with me knows that I'm one of the most competitive people you'll ever meet in your whole life. Uh, doesn't matter whether it's practice or a game, I'm going to treat it like it's a championship situation. Uh, so whether it's I'm in the most pain in the world or, or whatever, I'm going to try to play through it. Um, and to be honest, I knew I had broken my foot, broken my foot. Again, kind of what I did for people to understand is when you tear your ACL, obviously it's your knee. I basically did that in my foot. So my, my arch collapsed in my foot because the ligaments all tore. Um, yeah, so I was playing on a, on a foot with no support. Uh, and I was really trying to get through it because all I could think about was Michael Falls when he played on a torn ACL. And I was like, man, this is my story. This is going to be my legacy at Western. Um, Ten years so, later. Yeah, exactly. So I really tried. Um, again, I, I kept playing through the half, and I didn't play well. Um, again, I wasn't really – it was my plant foot, so I wasn't able to step through throws. Not only that, it was a windy game. It was, it was McMaster had a great defense. So there were so many variables to it. Uh, there was all these things going through my head, and, and I kept saying, you know what, I can do this. I can play through this. I can help my team. And eventually, I when I finally made it to halftime – I kept playing and, and we had gotten a safe, like I had been uh, sacked in the end zone, sacked in the end zone for a safety. In my opinion, it was an early whistle. And they were, <laughs> again, I asked the refs why they called us so early and they said they were protecting me. So again, I appreciate that, but um, it's tough. Like w when you're so competitive, like me, every situation is so important to you. So I came in at halftime and the doctor goes, if you don't stop playing, you may never be able to run on your foot again just because the, the bones will continue to spread in your foot and we won't be able to repair it. So at that point, I, uh, man, I was in the locker room bawling my, bawling my eyes out because I knew it was my last game in, in purple and white and I knew it was my last game with my teammates who I'd put so much time and effort with and I knew how much was at stake. So, again, that was the, probably one of the hardest moments of my life the single singular moments. Uh, unfortunately, we, we lost that game and all the credits to McMaster. They, they played a great game and Coach Potastic's a great coach. I think if I was playing that we would have won that game, but <laughs> I can't, I can't, <laughs> we can't go back and replay it. So again, it sucked, but that's the way football goes sometimes. I mean, you're not the only one with that, uh, that last little opinion there. Um, and, Thank you for being, you know, so open and honest about the pain that you were going through both, you know, emotionally and physically. And I want to get back onto, you know, a little bit of the mental health, but I have to ask a, kind of a different question. Do you think there is a slight curse on Western quarterbacks finishing their career? We got you, <laughs> we got Finch, and we got Folds, who some, some, pretty, be, some, some pretty big injuries. And I and I know that, you know, it, it kind of – I obviously didn't really watch folds, but you and Finch, you know, both like to, to tuck the rock and just kind of go with it. So you're definitely mm -hmm. taking some hits, but I mean, it's kind of, and obviously there's quarterbacks in between there is Donnie there as well, but I'm pretty sure Donnie, you know, suffered injury there. Yeah. Yeah. Donnie had an ankle injury as well and, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if it's a curse as much as it is a mindset. Um, I think Western quarterbacks are just, they, they are, there's greatness ingrained or maybe not greatness but competitiveness ingrained in us every we will put it all on the line in order to win for our team uh, I think I think 
Donnie did it. I think Finch did it. I think Will did it. And I like to think I did it as much as I could as well. Um, so maybe that, that puts us more at risk for injury and stuff like that. And obviously it didn't work out for all of us. We, we all ended our, our careers on an injury. Uh, but we also all had very successful careers. We, we put it all on the line for our team and, and no matter what, when, when it was all said and done, we left it on the field and, and that was our legacy. Uh, people remember us for it. And, and, uh, we, we, we left our heart on our sleeves. Every game we played, people remember that no matter what, um, football meant everything to us. So, uh, I think that's part of the reason why, why we probably got injured is because it meant so much to us. And and just speaking about the big three there, obviously you, uh, Finch and Folds, did you happen to catch our episode with Chris Bertoya? I didn't, unfortunately, no. Okay, where we asked him to rank the three of you, and he kind of <laughs> no, gave us a no me- kind of gave us a meeting <laughs> answer, and he he put you at the bottom solely because he thought since you're over in Europe, you're just not going to catch it. I guess he's right; you didn't catch it until I brought it no, up. No, 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 no. To be to be fair to. Coach Bertoy, it was that because you're still playing ball over in Europe. <laughs> okay. No, I think I think I think it's because Finch is a cop and Folds is his competitor. That's, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we we have, we got Folds on later tonight, so we'll I'll have to ask him that too. But I guess you didn't you catch know, it. No, I didn't. But to be Coach Bertoy, I love you, man. But I never lost to you, so you gotta. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> have, have you have you lost a regular season game as a starter though? I don't. Not since, uh, like not as Carlton. a starter since high school. Yeah, <laughs> since my first year at boarding school, I haven't lost a regular season game. So, yeah, that's okay. That's yeah. <laughs> I, I like to think I'm like the Trevor Lawrence of Canadian football. We'll see. <laughs> a not a bad comp. Uh, yeah, exactly. Last thing I just wanted to ask you about, since we're kind of you know lightening up the mood there a little bit. See, so you do the back-to-back Vanniers with Laval. You get the dub, then you take the L. Assuming that they're, I mean, you know, for playing the multiverse scenario, there's obviously a multi, many scenarios in which you win both those championships. But just in the in the possible realities of winning that Vanier and then losing to the same team in the Vanier versus taking the L the first year and then coming back to beat them, do you, do you play it out the way that you got it? Or is there some part of you that's like, ah, you know what, if I'm going to take one loss anyways in these two Vanniers, I'll take the loss the first year and then I'll take the win the next year in their own home, albeit too. Yeah, I mean, it would have been sweet to take it at home uh, or to take it at their home. But, no, I couldn't I couldn't replay my career any different way. I mean, that Vanya that we had was so special. Uh, to win it with that team that we had and, and to win it in the way that we did to with so much authority, every game that we played, we, we put it to the, to the opponent that we had. Uh, the Yates Cup was pr- probably the most one-sided Yates Cup in history. Uh, and then we go into the semifinal again. I'm not going to say anything about that because it's just the Dakota way it said was. enough about burger, that one on an 80. Yeah, burger. yeah, it could have been a lot worse than that, to be honest, too. But, um, again, that, that was coming off their short week, too. So there was, there was obviously variables for them that made it worse for them. Uh, but then to go in, uh, into Hamilton, where we had a great crowd and in a CFL stadium, and just come out the way we did and put it to, to one of the greatest dynasties of all time um, in Canadian football. 
there's no better story. Uh, and I, those memories will never leave me. I will always remember those and, and have those stories with my teammates that, again, that second Vanier doesn't even compare to, to the first one just because it was, it was so amazing to get that win. And, uh, obviously I wish we got the second one as well, but, um, <laughs> how many people get to say they've won a Vanier cup and, uh, and done it against Laval too. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I I definitely yelled at the the TV a little bit when Gmar started punting because I want I wanted you to put up a hundred, um, but that's yeah, that's just my <laughs> that's just my uh, my Western competitiveness is watching you guys. Uh, you know, two final questions. One's really quick. Uh, first place you took the Vanier was it Cools or Seeps? Oh, oh, that's a bad. Co- I'm a Seeps guy. Uh, as much as I love Cools, Cools is a great place to hang out and. Uh, if I went back to London, I'd go to Cools right now. But in terms of being at Western as a student, Seeps is my my spot. So, but did you did you bring the trophy there first? See, I didn't bring the trophy. That was Jordan Bullio. Uh, <laughs> <Just trained. laughs> Jordan Bullio brought that thing everywhere, bro. Uh, yeah, I, I, was, saw it at, I saw it. I saw Cools that one night. But that was the, that was when you guys got your rings. Yes. Yeah. So um, I was I was more low key. I just wanted to go out and just enjoy it. I didn't. I knew I would have broke the trophy if I brought it anywhere. So I let <laughs> other people deal with that. <laughs> oh, it's a. I feel like it's definitely a heavy trophy. Um, but Chris, thank you for coming on. Before you go, um, tell fans listening how they can. Obviously, we'll put the link here. How they can watch your games on, on Saturday mornings. Yeah. So our games are um, on AmericanFootballInternational.com. It's afi afi.com. Um, again, if you want to follow me on Instagram at cmerge12, uh, I'll be putting the link on my story uh, or or on my uh, bio, one of the two, uh, and you can follow my career. I, again, I appreciate all the love. I appreciate all the support back from back home, uh, and I appreciate uh, at the Fifty Five Podcast. You guys are awesome, and hey, your Instagram page continues to uh, to bring love to Canadian football. So, uh, as a Canadian who has done everything he can to uh, to spread the love of the game. I appreciate you guys more than you know. So uh, thank you and, and continue to do what you do. Well, thank you very much. And hopefully your career continues. And the next time we see you, just to be cheesy, like Zach says, we can see you on a CFL field at 55. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys.